Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. We're in a series that we call May I See Your ID, and it's really about the identification that we have in Jesus and our ability to know who you are in Christ. And it defines everything if you know how to make it work. And I want to talk to you about how to really, truly make it work and hit the transition, the beautiful transition that God wants for every single one of us. And those of us online, make sure you're, you're plugged in. But all of us are making adjustments in life, yes? Come on, how many of you know 2020 is a year of total adjustment? It really is. And so the title of this morning's message is Adjust Up. If you're going to make an adjustment, go up. Amen. And so I want to talk to you that just, just for a few moments, but there's two things during this series that we've been talking about a great deal. Two main objectives. Num- num- number one, identify who you are, that is to reveal that, and then secondly, to protect that. If you know who you are is number one, protecting that in an unfriendly environment to who you are in Christ is going to be extremely important to all of us, especially now when redefinition is going on like all over the place. And so we want to make sure that we're hitting this right, because the only one who really has the right to tell us who we are is the one that made us. Amen. Amen. It's this the manufacturer's privilege. Hello? And so now where we've been up until now, we've talked about the spirit of adoption that's upon our life. Thank God that Jesus came and found us, and today he has brought us unto himself. The spirit of adoption on our life means we're the children of choice, and that today we have a covenant with God. Now, when you adopt a child... That child may be legally adopted but not know how to cooperate because it has no history with the family that it's actually in. And so you have to learn how to, how to flow in that. And what we've said over the, over the series that we've been in over the last five weeks is that, that we're learning to put Jesus on the command center of our lives, put the Word of God in charge of the command center. Of, of who we really are on our hearts. And when your head and your heart agree, your life becomes very powerful and peace becomes the re- real centerpiece of your life. Anxiety is when your heart and your head are saying different things. You're getting mixed messages and when that starts happening, peace flies right out the door. And so it's, it's, you have permission today to walk in newness of life. Now, it's not me that gave you that permission, although I would if I could. It was the Word of God that did it. You have permission to walk in newness of life. You can lay yesterday down and you can walk into tomorrow knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. And that's really what this series is really, really all about because we live in a dangerous time. When you're walking in newness of life, you're bearing fruit in the kingdom of God. The the aroma of your life smells like heaven because heaven is manifesting in your life. And that's really, I believe, what God wants for each one of us. And so we're all making adjustments. We're all on a journey. We're different places during that journey. And I just want you to know, wherever you are, if you're heading towards Jesus, you're in a good spot. Amen. But we all adjust. Come on, how many of you know that sometimes the clothes that we bought last year don't fit this year? We're adjusting. Hopefully it's not out. Hopefully you're adjusting in because of all that amazing exercise you're doing. That, like that one guy said, he said, you know, I bought this health membership, paid $500 to, to do it, and I hadn't lost a pound yet. I guess you have to go. So that's kind of the way that works. 
you have to go. But we're changing physically. Let me show you a few pictures of me back in the day. There I am right there. There's little Pat. Oh, and there I am in the eighth grade. Um, hold that picture just for a second. My T-shirt says Tequila Sunrise. It's true. It's what it says. I guess I didn't know it was picture day. I needed more supervision than I had, I can tell you that. Next picture, please. Moving right along. There he is. They made me cut my hair a lot in Bible school, so when I got out, I just refused to do it. <laughs> Boom. Fluff City. Okay, next one. That's got my little wife in it. There, there she is. That's my girl right there. How many of you know things have changed a lot because there I really am? <laughs> no, that's the real me. There you go. It's old. And actually, we were in Amish country the uh, last few days. And uh, when I went, I was at the coffee bar, and there was a gal at the coffee bar. And for some reason, she decided to try to guess my age. And she guessed five years older than I actually am. And I thought, okay. God bless you, sister. I thought, man, 2020's been hard on me, you know. This is Zoom calls, it's taking years of my life away. It's crazy. You know, you have seasons of life as well, that, that you have to make adjustments, different seasons. When you're a kid, you're a kid. As you start to grow older, you learn responsibility. Boy, that's a real wrench in the system, isn't it? And so forth, you begin to take on responsibilities and, and things change. You begin to think about education and what that means to your career. And then you step into a career and blah, blah, blah. And you get married. And man, you make adjustments like crazy when you do that. And, and just so many different seasons of life. And so we're adjusting when hopefully we're adjusting up. Thirdly, we have family responsibilities. And those family responsibilities are to, to walk in love. How many of you know sometimes you have to love people through gritted teeth? Anybody ever walk in love like this? I love you in Jesus' name. Yeah, sometimes it's like that. But we walk in love. It's about providing. It's about spending time. It's about training. It's also about affirmations and all the different family responsibilities that we have. And then we also have civic responsibilities. And boy, aren't we making some adjustments there. And you need to understand, it, it all starts with understanding of what's going on around us and making a contribution. You live in a society where you're not just somebody who votes, you're actually somebody who contributes. You're somebody who empathizes and engages at different civic levels. Citizenship is something all of us share in. And it's not just about watching the news and voting and then complaining about everything that's going on. How many of you know everybody that's a politician works for you? Just so that you know your history a little bit, and many of you probably already know that the balcony in the chambers of Congress were actually for the constituents who actually had representatives down on the floor. And if they didn't like what they were saying or how they were voting, they would yell at them over the balcony. <laughs> That's not right. We don't want that. And I mean, literally, it was that kind of exchange that would go on. It's not they know everything and we don't know anything. It's that I might know more than him, and if he doesn't get it right, you're out. You're a temp job down there. Do it right or you're out. Come on, that's the way it was built to work. And so understand, once you, once you begin to get that, you begin to know that maximizing your liberty is something that is the responsibility that the Constitution gave to every single one of us. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are kind of big deals around here. You with me? And you can give them away if you don't know why you have them. 
So it's important to know. And by the way, you just can't watch the news and develop opinions. You need to go find out the facts and develop that for yourself. Are you with me? Because that's the way it's been done in America for, you know, hundreds of years now. And it's important for us to understand what we have. There's a reason why people come here, I mean, that will get in an inner tube and go from Cuba to here, hoping that they can dodge enough sharks to get here. And there's a reason for that. It's because liberty is creating an environment of unprecedented liberty. And it, there's nothing perfect about America. The fact that I'm here makes it imperfect all by myself. But once you understand how liberty actually works, you can begin to distribute and make sure it's done right. You can defend people against people that are idiots. And you can come to their aid. You can actually be helpful. You can be prosperous enough because the government's not taking your whole paycheck to actually contribute where you think it's going to make a difference. Not where they think it's going to make a difference. I want the liberty to make my own choices about it. Thank you. And so maximize liberty because liberty will help you to serve one another. Matter of fact, Galatians 5 says it clearly for everybody no matter where you live. Here it is. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. And this is what Paul says. He says, and you, brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only don't use your liberty as an opportunity to the flesh. Ah. So I want liberty, but it's not about doing anything my, I want or buying everything my beady little eyeballs want. Okay? Don't use it as an occasion to the flesh, but through love serve one another. Ah, that's what liberty's for. So I can be a bigger impact on the people around me. For the law is fulfilled in this one word, even this, that you'll love your neighbor as yourself. And listen, if this doesn't sound like today. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Man, that just sounds like today, doesn't it? So what's the law? Walk in love. Love people as you love yourself. No matter what color their skin is. Love them. And the law is fulfilled in that word. And so you've been called to liberty, liberty to love, liberty to give, liberty to, to share. The less liberty, the less sharing you're going to do. Just one of those things. But freedom is no accident. It was designed by God so that we could evangelize the world and touch people, every segment of the population. No matter where you find them, God's got a great plan for their life. Amen. Amen. Let me say it again. No matter where you find a person, God has a great plan for their life. Somebody just needs to preach loud enough for them to download enough truth. The light, the word of God is a light into my feet and a lamp into my pathway. Suddenly I can see where I'm going instead of bumping into stuff all the time. And so socialism is a pathway to bondage. Socialism in its core nature is bondage because it's anti-God. Okay? You just need to know that. Okay, socialism leads to Marxism, leads to communism, and it's all about getting God out of your society and doing what you want. The problem is you have to forfeit every liberty you've got to do that. And I'm just telling you, that's the way that whole thing goes. And so understand today, socialism is a pathway to bondage, but also now on the other side of that same coin, greed is a pathway to idolatry. And so there's a lot of folks in the name of liberty that do bad things with it. And so just so that you know, it makes the society very imperfect. George Washington said in his farewell address, he said that this constitutional form of government is wholly inadequate for an immoral people. Why? 
because the people control their immoral actions and then make policies in that direction. That's the reason why he said it. And so, of course, he said it when the number one habit of the colonies back during the day was Bible reading. That was the number one habit in the, in the first part of American history. So did they do everything right? Heck no. But we've had 200, over 200 years to look at it, and we still ain't getting it right. Hello. And so what are we aiming at here? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our nation needs many adjustments. We need God's guidance, and we need the freedom that he provides in order to pull it off. And so can we do it? Yeah, let's get into agreement and love on each other and do it exactly what Galatians says. But freedom is the central piece where all those liberties can spring out of. You lose your liberty, you have no power to change it. Start the car, hon. I'll be right there. <laughs> understand. If you don't understand it, adjustments need to be made. But you don't scrap the system in the name of adjustment. There's a reason why people are jumping the fence to get here. They're not doing that in Russia. Hello? Come on. And so make all the adjustments that you need. But when you do make the adjustments, adjust up. Now, Romans chapter number 12 is going to tell us a little bit of something about I'm going to read it out of the message translation, Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you've got your Bibles, turn your Bibles right there. If you don't have your Bibles, turn your Bibles right there on your phone. But when the Word says, present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto Him, which is your reasonable service, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So transformation happens as your mind and your heart, your head and your heart get into agreement together and be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove the acceptable, perfect, and will of God and so forth. That's the way that that text reads New King James. The message translation says a couple of things I want us to grab. And this is what it, how it reads. Verse number one. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work or walking around life, in, in, and place it before God as an offering. So every day of my life, I become an offering to God in everything I'm doing, not just church stuff, all stuff, and make it an offering to God. And then he says, em embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And so a full embrace of every day an offering and every day in the direction of his plan for my life and your life. So discovery, there's got to be a little bit of discovery there, but that's, that's what, we're, what we're looking for. Embrace that. It's the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so, here's the word, well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now that's the little phrase I wanted you to grab. Why? Because there's pressure out here. Noise. Lots of noise. Out here. Attitude. Political correctness. This, that, and the other. And somebody's trying to reinvent the values that have been here for a long time. Make no mistake about it. Some of them needed changed. Some of them didn't need to go where they went. And so what do you do with that? Well, I'm, I'm still committed to love no matter what happens, no matter who's governing or whatever's going on. I'm committed to doing that. But the Word says don't be so well-adjusted to the culture around you that you fit in without thinking. Instead, fix your attentions on God. This is, again, the message translation. Says you'll be changed from the inside out. Now listen to these two things he's about ready to mention. How many of you want to be changed from the inside out? Amen. 
Then there you go. So he says, readily recognize. So number one, you got to recognize something. Recognize what he wants from you, and then quickly respond to it. And so recognize and respond. Say it. Those two things, there's something that you need to recognize and then respond. Amen. See, there's a lot of recognition that goes on in church, not a whole lot of responding. Amen. Or there's a whole lot of responding to the, the temperature of what's going on around you and so forth, but nothing that's really generated out of where God lives on the inside of you. And, and if you've never become a Christian, I just want you to understand that once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, a Jesus follower, and pray, the Bible says that your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God lives on the inside of you, and that you get to walk around with God's direction, God's power, God's love, God's affirmation, all the great things that he brings into your journey, and you get to walk with God. Being a Christian doesn't mean I go to a, a, an address on Sunday morning. Jesus didn't die and rise from the dead so you'd have a place to go on Sunday. He rose and wants to live on the inside of you. His name is Holy Spirit. And he's not in there to take a ride. He's in there to make a difference. And so it's important that we really grab a hold of the idea that we recognize and respond. And then he says this. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down into in levels of immaturity. Now I've been going to church for 50 years. Well, the problem is you're still brushing your mustache out of the way to suck on the bottle. <laughs> Something wrong with this picture. Are you with me? Why? How do, you, how do you know if you're mature or not? It's not because you go to church a long time. It's what you do with the word you've heard. Being a doer of the word of God. If you're moody, you're immature. No, that's, that's not a critique. You're on your journey. But aim at the right target. There's all kinds of folks that will claim maturity and then act. You know, the Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, teleos, I put away childish things. And so there comes a time when, as a result of the journey that we're in, I want to talk to you today about the journey and how to get from one place to the other. And I'll use a Bible character for this. But we don't want the culture dragging us down. We're supposed to be salt and light making a difference in the way the society around us flavors. You flavor the society that you're in. It's not about fitting into the flavor that's there. It's about changing it, making it more delicious. Amen? How many of you getting hungry? I'm, I'm getting Cracker Barrel dreams right here where I'm talking right now. I'm telling you what, I can feel it coming. And so... As, it, as this text finishes, it says, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity. Ha, ah, I like that. He develops well-formed maturity in you. In other words, growing into what God saw before you were ever born, and God saw the finished version of you in Christ and what it looked like, and we're becoming that. So, I'm be so li literally, I'm becoming who I already am. I was born again in my spirit and made complete in God, but my head's catching up and my body's getting old. One of these days, I'm going to get a new body. All my hair's going to be black again like you saw in those pictures. And so we're adjusting up. Come on, somebody shout, I'm adjusting up. 
But we are adjusting, and it's important to understand it. And so our identity is securing Christ. Man, is that ever a good thing? Come on, let's take a praise break and thank him right now. That I might act like an idiot, but that's not who I am. That we're still on our way to operating in the full measure of what, what he called well-formed maturity. We're still on the way to that. And so wherever you are in the journey, keep moving. Just keep moving towards Jesus. Keep, just keep your heart full of him and figure out ways when you see something cool in him that you begin to implement those things in your life. That's how the word works. That's how God transforms our life. It's not about knowing it. It's adjusting your own life to fit what you're reading in the word of God. And if you don't do that, all you are is just getting more religious. Probably more frustrated, too. It's the reason why church people can be mean. Come on, I know you've met Sister Sandpaper once or twice. So it's all right. It's all right. So when we're making adjustments, again, adjust up. Why? Because I'm, I'm moving more towards my identity in him who I am as an adoption. Again, adoption is that I can be adopted out of a home and into a family and not thoroughly understand who I legally am now. Though I'm, my last name is legally mine, I don't understand what it means to be that because I've, never, I've got no history. So I don't know what the blessings are. I don't know what it means to be a Murray now. I don't know what that means. I can call you mom and dad, but I don't feel mom and dad yet. I know you're my mom. I know you're my dad. I'm happy about it. I'm happy not to be institutionalized, but, but I'm, I'm still figuring out who I am to you and who you are to me and what that means to me in every other area of my life. It's the spirit of adoption on our lives. We've got to figure it out. It's called renewing your mind on the Word of God. And so once you begin to find out your ID, you don't want to lose that. Once you begin to find that out, you don't want to lose it. Let, let me give you a little story. We, I told you we went to Amish country here in the last couple of days, and it was wonderful. Amen. Uh, buggies everywhere. It's wonderful. We went there with some dear friends. And so while we were there, I, we went to a chocolate store. Mm, 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 mm. Man, is that place good. We went to a chocolate store, and, and so I walked in. Well, well, I, I jumped out of the car. Yeah! And, and, but when I jumped, I lost my wallet fell out of my pants. And so I run on in, and we all ran on in because we were all excited about what we could get in there. And I get a whole box, a whole one-pound box of chocolates. Picked everyone out myself. I drop that box there, reach my wallet, and it's not there. And so you may want to remember this next time you don't want to pay for your own chocolate. A friend of mine bought it. <laughs> Forgot that wallet. <laughs> So a friend of mine bought my chocolate, but then I went into panic mode, like, where's my wallet? And so I went out to the car, tracked on my way out the car. Now, here's what happened. There was a young man on a bicycle that came by after I got in the chocolate store shopping for my favorite stuff, and he picked up my wallet for me. Now, I don't know what happened to it, but he went on home with it. And, and so here I am, 20, I mean, we retraced every step in Amish country. I mean, I was looking under buggies and racks and all kinds of stuff, looking for my wallet. And you're thinking, okay, now some identity thief, some terrorist has got a hold of my wallet. I mean, these kind of things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever lost your wallet? Okay. I mean, the anxiety level goes whoop right to the top. 
And so here, here, I mean, we're looking all over the place. And finally, I just had to stop and I say, Lord, I want my wallet back. And so thank you for your angels giving charge over us. Amen. Take care of that thing and bring it home. What else are you going to do? So I called all the credit cards, put a stop on all the credit cards, both church and, and personal, and put a stop on everything in my life and so forth. And, and we, we went out and had fun. You know, I just cast my cares on the Lord about 500 times. And, and we just kept right on moving, you know. All of a sudden, like 24 hours later, I get a call from my insurance agent. And the only, way, the, the only thing that identified me with my wallet was my insurance card. So they, the guy that found my wallet called my insurance agent. She called me. I said, somebody said, just called me and said, they got your wallet. And they, I said, where are they? Where are they? I called him, ran, got my wallet, and stopped in, grabbed that wallet, hugged my wallet. Mm. Mm. Every, every dollar bill was in it. Everything was there. And a note from Leo. And it was the teenager on the bicycle in his dad's shop, and he said, he said, Mr. Murray, I'm, gl I, I'm, I'm glad you got reunited with your wallet. Have a great vacation, Leo. I thought, I'm going to get a t-shirt made. Leo's my hero. <laughs> I thought, man, come on, how many of you know that was a breath of fresh air in my life? Totally. And here's what you need to know. That when you lose your wallet like that, there's nothing else you want to think about but getting that wallet back. But there's too many believers who allow their culture to steal their identity, and they don't care enough to go find their identity back. Because all your identity, all your buying power, all your spending power, and the kingdom of God is wrapped up in the name of Jesus and who you are in Him. Come on, somebody. And they got a sign in the front yard, sell to the highest bidder. Instead of sold, belong to him. And it's the reason why people don't know where to drive their stake. It's the reason why pastors preach stuff that they preach in their pulpits. It's because they don't know who they are themselves. How the world are they going to tell you? And so I just want you to understand today, your identity is secure in Jesus. I got it right here. <laughs> I decide I'm going to be like a biker. I'm going to get a chain and put that on my belt and a big old chain hanging down here. I think that's God's will for my life. Maybe yours too. What do I want? Well-formed maturity in my life, and it comes out of my identity, so don't lose it. Don't leave home without it. So my job is to help you to find your identity and step in it. Now, I want to use a Bible character in the few minutes I have left. And I want to talk about how a guy named Simon becomes a guy named Peter. And the journey is just like us. And there's six steps that I want to show you in this just a few moments about he, how he went from being Simon the fisherman to an apostle that changed the world. And there's a process, and we're all in process. Somebody shout, I'm in process. <laughs> number one is the calling. Step number one is to hear the voice of God calling you. Maybe today it's that day for you. That you never thought of Jesus in anything beyond just church and religion and dusty old memories. And maybe that's as close as you've ever gotten. Maybe it bewildered you. Maybe you even prayed once in a while, but it was all kind of mysterious and unpredictable. I just want you to know when you hear his voice, something fires up on the inside. 
when there's that voice recognition. And one day Jesus was on the shores of Galilee, and there was a couple of guys there, and Peter was one of them. His name is Simon. And he'd been out all night. He was mending his nets. And how many of you know if you're mending nets instead of getting your nets in the water, it's not a good day for business. And so he goes out there, and he's, he's, he'd been all, all night sh- trying to get fish in his net and so forth. Jesus gets done preaching. He said, let's go out and go fishing. He looks over his brother. The preacher wants to go fishing. It's like they're not biting, sir. I'm sorry. It's not going to be a good day for you. So anyway, they launch out, pull in this great big net-breaking catch of fish, and Jesus says, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And he drops his nets and follows Jesus. He hears the call. At some point, it's a, and it's a big decision for Simon here. Why? Because this is his livelihood, and now he's not doing what makes a living. He's following Jesus. It's a big decision. It's not a little decision. See, it's not just a prayer you pray in an altar. It's a decision you make in the direction of your life. It's not fire insurance. It's direction for life. It's the call. Secondly, starts this beautiful exploration of Jesus. It's an exploration. He's exploring what's it mean to be a Jesus follower. Well, I'm going to follow close enough to watch. And all of a sudden, I mean, he's experiencing all kinds of stuff. He hears Jesus preaching. He, he preaches Matthew 5, 6, and 7 called the Sermon on the Mount. And he hears stuff he never heard before. And, and then when the meeting is dismissed, immediately he goes and he takes Jesus to his house and his mother-in-law is sick and he heals his mother-in-law and that's, that's new, that's different. That, the preacher came over before, didn't happen like that. And, and, and then, so you, that's Matthew chapter number 8, Matthew chapter number 14, lots of stuff going on. But Jesus comes walking on the water by the boat. They're out there rowing the boat, and here comes Jesus walking on the water. And he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Come on, something has happened to this boy. I mean, you just don't ask to walk on water just one day. I think I'll walk on water. But what's he seen in Jesus that made such transition in the possibilities of life that made him think, I can do it too? Something's happening in this boy. There's a transformation happening. I'm telling you, it's the same transformation he wants to happen in you. But you have to pay enough attention to take risk. You don't take risk because you go to Sunday school. You take risk because you do what you learned at Sunday school. You'll never grow your faith unless you exercise it. Look at your name and say, tell him. He's preaching to you. Just tell him right now. Tell him online. Whoever's in your living room right now, tell him. Okay? And so he gets out of the, out of the boat and walks on the water. Amen. So somebody said, well, he sank. Well, you're just a glass half-empty guy. Because there was a time when he was on it, walking on it. And I'm, that's, a, that's a big deal. And then he starts to ask you these value questions. You get to chapter 18, and he's saying, okay, I've been a fisherman a long time. A lot of people have ticked me off over the years. So how many times should I forgive him? Seven times? Like, that's never happened. Come on. It's one two-knuckle sandwich. Hello? Seven times? 
really stretching himself here. And Jesus said 70 times 7. How many of you know what he just said was, live forgiveness your whole life. Just scrape retaliation off your slate. Just get it off and move forward in God. And he's learning all this stuff. And then comes step number three, and he goes from exploration to re-identification. Because this is where Simon goes to Peter. It's Matthew chapter number 16, and Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And they responded with, well, some say you're Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. He said, wait a minute, I'm not asking who they say, and I'm asking, who do you say I am? Now, everybody in this room's got to come to that place. I don't care what everybody in church is saying. What do you say? Because you will say it like you see it. My question is, do you see anything worth following? Because there's lots of room in this church. And there are a lot of folks that don't care to come take that empty seat because they don't know him. They can't see him and say they don't want him. And so Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I've been watching you ever since I left my nets on that Galilean seashore. And I'm convinced I've heard it on the inside. And that's what Jesus said. You, flesh and blood didn't give that to you, but my father is in heaven. It's the ability to hear from heaven. That's what he's marking here. It's the ability to hear from heaven. It's not, it's not Peter that God's going to build his church on because he makes lots of mistakes. He denies him after this. He's not building it on Peter. He's building it on the idea knowing he is the Christ and hearing it from heaven. He's the Christ hearing it from heaven. That's where God builds his church, and you can do that. And that's where he'll build his church in you when you... He's the son of God. You hear it in your spirit. You come into agreement with that word. God says, I'll build my church with that. And by the way, you're no longer Simon. You're Peter now. Petra, rock. A reed means, uh, 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 Simon means reed. And a reed's like a cattail next to the pond. Whatever way the wind's blowing. Okay, that's a reed. Okay, whatever way the wind's blowing, that's where I'm going. Okay, so whatever's going on politically, whatever's happening in church, whatever's happening outside, oh, it's at work. Okay, and there you are. Culture creating you from outside in. And that's Simon, that's his name. But when he connects with heaven, it changes the guy that's vacillating according to whatever wind's blowing to rock, Petra. You get that and build your life on that rock. I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't be able to keep you out. That's what he said. And behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you lock up is locked. Whatever you loose is loosed. I'm giving you the keys. In other words, authority comes with the recognition of the Christ and the ability to hear from God within the journey. Now, if I were you, I wouldn't settle another moment for religious understanding and never being a doer of the word, just considering yourself a part of the Christian club, but never experiencing transformation. The whole gospel's about transformation. 
It's not about, it's, it's not about just forgiveness of sin. It's, it requires that, no doubt. Blood bought salvation requires forgiveness of sin. But friend, you're not a warmed over sinner. I got buried with Christ in baptism unto death, raised with him in newness of life, and now I'm on the journey with God. I left Pat, the old dude back there, the guy with the tequila sunrise shirt on. I left him behind and moved along. Amen. And so you have to re-identify at some point. Have you re-identified with Jesus? Maybe you're not born again. Maybe you've never said yes with a heart full of faith to say yes to the living Son of God. Today can be that day for you. And if your faith doesn't move you, you don't have much. Maybe none at all. Maybe all you got was a snoot full of religion. You know how to play the part, but nothing that's really changing who you are. And I want you to know today, God came to the rescue so much so he had to give his own life. And he looked to the Father and he said, if there's any way that this cup could pass, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for them. He didn't do that for nothing. And he didn't do it for me to remake the rules and call it God. I don't want the culture to transform me. I want him to do it and then transform culture. That's the way it's supposed to work. Number four, identity crisis comes. It's found in Matthew chapter number 26, and Peter, this rock, this stalwart man of revelation, tells Jesus, I won't deny you. And Jesus said before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And it's shocking to hear it from Jesus because he never considers that that will ever happen for his hero, Jesus Christ. And sure enough, he denies he knows him. He's so traumatized by the crucifixion and the trial experience that he denies he knows Jesus. And all of a sudden, crisis hits. Come on, my dear friends, we're living in the midst of multiple crises all at one time. You know what the Word of God says? When these things begin to come to pass, look up because your redemption draws near. And so once you understand that, you understand Peter, I mean, abandoned the whole thing. This guy of revelation, this Simon gone to Peter, has, he's given up on the whole thing. He goes back to fishing. I go fishing is what he says. Well, what's that mean? Well, when in the book of Mark chapter 16, when Jesus in resurrected form tells the, the one he's appearing to, I believe it's Mary or Martha, or Mary, he, he, says, he says, go tell my disciples and Peter and say I'm going before them to Galilee. In other words, Peter turned in his card. He no longer is a part of the deal. And so Jesus calls him out because number five is Restoration. And restoration is about ready to take place. Jesus, in resurrected form, he's out there fishing again. And he's out there throwing out the net, just like Jesus found him and catching nothing. He said, have you caught anything? He said, no, don't rub it in. <laughs> he said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Now, let me get, again give you the description. You got a six-foot boat, I mean, side to side. You can touch both sides in what he's fishing in. 
He'd been fishing over here. Nothing. Jesus is suggesting that he throw the net six feet away. I mean, we're not talking about taking a ride to the place where the fish are biting. He's in the same spot. No fish here. Bunch over here. He throws his net over. The net's breaking again, and he's been here before. Oh, been here before. He looks. Somebody says in the boat, it's Jesus. He didn't even wait to, to, he could have rowed the boat back. How many of you know he's a little beside himself? He just jumps in and swims. And Jesus on that beach says, Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me is what he said. Do you selflessly love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo. It's the word for Philadelphia, brotherly love. He said, I don't sacrificially love you. I proved it. I live like I don't agape you, but I do brotherly love you. He said, well, feed my sheep. He asked him three times. Why? Because he denied him three times, I'm guessing. Restoration is something Jesus is willing to walk you through. But let me give you this. In order to be fully restored, you need to walk your way through your own failures and allow grace, 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 grace to peel layers of that bondage off of your life. And so he comes, and finally, Jesus says... Whatever level you can connect to me, reconnect, allow me to restore your life and get you back in the game. Yes. Feed my sheep. I'm counting on you. I'm not staying. I'm leaving. You're staying. Do your job. And I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God is on me. I'm just telling you, God's saying, do your job. Do what you're called and anointed to do. Let God restore you and relaunch your life in restoration. And number six, you go to the upper room, a place of hiding from crucifixion, praying, waiting on God. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one place and in one accord, and there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it turned these bewildered boys into world changers. The power of the Holy Spirit comes into that room and lights those boys on fire. Instead of hiding in prayer closet, they're running into the street with unction from the Spirit of God, fearlessly doing their calling. Listen. They're all preaching, but then Peter stands right up in the midst of the whole thing. Verse number 14 says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised up his voice and said, Men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known unto you. And then he preaches the gospel. Pretty good results, too. That fisher of men, 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus on the spot. Listen, God wants to do something significant in your life. And at some point, you allow this from Simon to Peter process, and we're all processing. At some point, you got to let that thing start moving you down the road to this great fullness of the Holy Spirit. You're the best version of you. The undoable part of God's plan for your life is the part that requires Holy Spirit power, working and moving and knocking bondage off and preaching and boldly declaring everything that God puts into your spirit without fear. To live fearlessly, if 
ever there was a day to live fearlessly it's now if ever there was a day to say I believe the report of the Lord I believe like Mary be it unto me according to thy word I don't know what God wants to do in your life I just know it's better than you're getting right now and if you're watching online God is saying to you it's time bow your heads all across the room with me and those of you at home and I want you to pray this prayer with me if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life let the journey begin and do it now and today can be that day for you today can be that day for you if you're in the room today and you say Pastor Pat I've I've understood enough about the gospel, but I've never committed as hard as what you've suggested today. My dear friend, do not put it off another moment. Drop your nets and follow Jesus. Whatever you're caught in, whatever net you've been woven into, whatever's been habitual bondage for you, I'm telling you, you can come out of the net, drop it, and follow Jesus. And let the process begin. And so today, if you're in this room and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or you're, you're what we would call a backslider, you once knew him, but like Peter, I go fishing was maybe where you're at right now. And I don't know, maybe, maybe those of you watching online, maybe there's a bunch of you right now that need to come back and hear the voice of God say, if you love me, do your assignment, do what you're called to do. Come and follow me again. The moment I'm going to pray, and I just want to know who I'm praying for. For those of you online, I just want you to take that raise the hand button and punch that button right now and say, Pastor, don't leave me out of that prayer. I'm going to come and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to process from Simon and confusion to the fullness of the version of whoever I am. With God's help, I'm going to be what God called me to be. No apologies. And if that's you, in a moment, we're going to pray together. I'm not inviting you forward. I'm just inviting you to pray. And if that's you, wherever you're at right now, say, Pastor, don't leave me out of that prayer. Wherever you are, lift your hand right now in the name of Jesus. Say, Pastor Pat, don't leave me out. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Lift your hand where I see you. Way on back there. God bless you, darling. God bless you too, baby. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Lift up your hand wherever you are. Those of you online, touch that button. So raise the hand button. Say, Pastor, don't leave me out of this prayer. I need God in my life. I feel God's commencing something in me that's going to change me. And it's going to change the world around me as well. If that's you, thank you. You can put your hand down back there. God bless you. Thank you. God's so good. Yeah, bless you, sir. Amen. Anybody else? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in just a second. Don't want to leave anybody out. If that's you right now, come on. God is so good. Yeah, somebody else, I see you, sir. God bless you. Yeah, God's good. I want everybody to lift up their voice with me and pray this prayer right out loud, everybody in the room. And those of you watching at home right now, pray this with me. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die and take my judgment on a horrible cross. Thank you, Jesus. You bled and died for me to purchase a new beginning. Then you rose from the dead. Come live in my life. Be the Lord of who I am. I give you my heart. I give you all of me. And I repent for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life, being my Savior.
Now teach me what that means. And I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Come on. Give God praise. Come on, thank Him right now. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Lord. He is good. He's the God of new beginnings. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.